today's episode is brought to you by Creative Edge Publicity. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host, and thank you so much for spending just a small part of your day with myself and my special guest today, Damon Manx. He's an award-winning American author who writes horror, science fiction, suspense, fantasy, supernatural, and speculative fiction, and has recently been nominated for a Splatterpunk Award for his debut, Abigail, in the Best Short Story category. He's a member of the Horror Writers Association and the Horror Authors Guild, and has been featured in magazines in both the U.S. and the U.K. Damon has been referred to as the Horror with a Heart author for his ability to trigger an emotional response in his readers. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Your bio has me completely intrigued because you write a lot of different <laughs> stuff. So welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Um, thank, thank you for having me, Kim. It's great to be here. And, um, you know, I, I mean, it, it sounds like a lot, but honestly, all those genres meld into each other so beautifully that, you know, it, it's... Um, I was impressed when you were reading that. I'm like, wow, I'm I'm quite a guy. But no, no, the truth of the matter is, is I really, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I'm one, I'm a horror writer, you know, and uh, with that genre, there's a lot of subgenres that go into it. So, you know, while while it sounds really impressive, the, the truth of the matter is, it's it's a lot simpler than you put it. Well, you know, when you hear when you hear your own personal bio being read, it is funny when you sit there and you think, wow, I have done a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I like how you put it. Wow, I'm a great guy. <laughs> yeah, I go. I must be a hell of a guy to hang out with at parties. Uh, honestly, right. I'm not. I'm not that guy. You don't you know, you don't want me at your party because I I'm no fun. <laughs> so how does one get into writing horror? Well, you have to love it first. I mean, you've got to be inspired to take that route. Um, you know, I think if you grow up watching things like The Notebook and, and uh, you know, um, you know, the the cozy mystery kind of things, you're probably not going to grow up with the passion for writing horror. But I grew up watching movies like Jaws and Night of the Living Dead and Halloween and you know, these were my first things that I saw. And then I started reading Ray Bradbury and Stephen King and, and Dean Koontz and Robert McCammon. And these are what inspired me to, you know, think, wow, this that's got to be so much fun to create these worlds and have that originate in your mind and have it transcend onto the page. So, you know, that's yeah. essentially where it begins. I, I grew up watching those, the same movies you're talking about. I read the same authors. And then I reached a certain point in my life where I didn't watch them and read them anymore. I had a mind shift and they were disturbing to me. So hmm. it's, it's, I, my brain can't come up with, well, I bet it could, it could, if I let it, but my, my brain can't uh, come up with horror stories where I think I could actually write a story i think it's just maybe it's just a different time in life that i'm at but I'm, I'm just fascinated by those who do write that because where do those ideas come from in your head you know a lot of the things that i write actually come from real life experiences a lot of them um 
you know, when I was 10 years old, I was riding my bicycle home one night and the three neighbors across the street, there were three sisters who lived there and they're sitting on the front lawn and, and the sun is about to set and the, the fireflies are dancing around and the crickets are going nuts. And they're like, hey, come over here, come over here. And they're sitting on a blanket playing with a Ouija board. And, you know, I'd never seen one. And, and I'm looking at them and I'm watching this thing move. And they're, they're saying, oh, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. You know, and they start asking questions and the questions start getting darker. And finally, they ask, you know, when and how old will I be when I'm going to die? And the board spells out the number four zero. They're like, oh, oh my God. And I'm like, what, what? Because, you know, at 10 years old, you say somebody, you're going to die at 40. And, you know, well, you might as well be 100 because it seems so far away. But, uh, you know, they assured me that that it was not that far away. And I grew up with like the horror of thinking I was going to die at 40 because a Ouija board told me. So I, I wrote a story about it. And I have a much bigger ending than the fact that I didn't die at 40. But, uh, you know, I wrote it about somebody else who who's told he's going to die in the year 2022. And and he's told that he has to go save someone before that happens. And then the board goes silent. So it's a mystery for this guy to figure out how his life's going to turn out, who he has to save, what's going to happen. And it's just one of the experiences that I had that that I wrote a book from, I, you know, I, much of my writing experience, I learned to write in the prison system. I was um, sentenced to a term in prison for a few years. And, you know, it was at the point where I, I decided, I knew I had to turn my life around because I was on the wrong track. So I started taking college uh, classes in prison and, you know, I was really drawn to English lit and composition and started writing now while i was in the system you know everybody's the same it doesn't matter if you're black or you're white or you know whatever you're all wearing orange you know everybody is in the same position be that as it may there were men in that system who marginalized others because they had different sexualities um because they had different upbringings so there was still marginalization going on in a marginalized atmosphere, which was the inspiration for the book Abigail that I wrote, because there's an underlying theme of, you know, we're not all that different. Deep down, we're, we're all the same. So, yeah, you know, I mean, real life, uh, life imitates art, art imitates life. That being said, you know, so that's kind of, there's always that glimmer of, okay, yeah, inspired by real life. And then I take it into a whole nother direction. You know? you had said, though, at, at 10, you wrote a story about that Ouija board, your Ouija board story. That's what kind of gave that spark. So while you were in, while you were in prison, the writing really came forth. Is that because of what you the situation that you were in or the atmosphere, I guess I should say that you were in that started sparking these stories in your head. Yeah. Well, a little bit of both. So the, the atmosphere that I was in was now conducive to change. Okay. So, you know, I had an internal change going on in me where, you know, I, I was also getting a little bit older. So, you know, 
things that were important in life became really, really important where I was, you know, um, taking care of myself, exercising, using my brain and, and expression, expression, you know, using my creative expression. So that became important and that really fertilized the, the breeding ground for me to become a writer and older me became concerned about being aware and being in touch with my feelings and creating something that might live longer than I did. And, you know, when I told people I'm going to do something, I do it. When I, a family member needs me, I'm there for them. You know, that became important. And, um, you know, prison allowed me the time to reflect. It allowed me the time to develop my craft and uh, it allowed me the time to focus. So not everybody gets that time in life. You know, a lot, a lot of people have to figure it out, you know, the way a normal person does without having to go to prison, you know, but <laughs> for me, I needed, I needed a little bit extra reinforcement to get the message. <laughs> say So yeah, we don't recommend going prison to get that focus time. Yeah, you know, if you can do it the, the old fashioned way, it's I recommend that. Good tip. Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been writing now? I know you've got you've got numerous books out. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, at least seven books. Yeah, a lot of them are short stories that you're probably looking at, but um yeah, I've uh I want to say that I started seriously writing around 2013, 2014. Um and I've been writing ever since. And a lot of that time was, you know, pen on notepad um and writing in composition books. Uh and and then saying, you know, when I get out, I'm going to edit this to the best of my ability, transfer it into a digital proof so that, you know, cuz there's no laptops in where I was at. So I had to transfer it. And then I had to, you know, really focus on it to make sure it was right. And then submit them and start getting those rejection letters that we all need as our rite of passage. So, so you're traditionally published or have you done a little bit of both? I've done a little bit of both. I came out the door and I started submitting and I started getting those rejection letters. Then I submitted uh abigail to a publishing house uh, an indie publishing house and they they accepted it then they fell on some hard times and they closed their doors and i said well you know uh i can do this so i opened my own publishing company so i opened up last Waltz publishing company last year and i use it to publish my own uh works the damon manx catalog can be found on last Waltz publishing um you can see us, find us on the web, and uh, and I have several other authors who I've taken on and published their works as well. So you know, like I had a little bit of a rough experience my first go out. Like I signed to this publishing company, I thought it was great. I should have done a little more homework, and it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, or the way it should have. And you know, I I got uh, I got beat for a little bit of money, and. Uh, I said, let's let's pass this knowledge along and see if we can't help somebody else out too, you know? Yeah, I was in the same boat. Okay. Very, my very first solo book on my own, not an anthology, not participating as a co-author. 
my first solo book, I, I did the same thing with an indie publishing house. I was very excited because I had been getting rejection letters as well, which is part for the course, you know, and you just, you got to make sure your skin's thick and you can take it and just say, okay, this is an opportunity for me to make things better, to write better. Well, I did the same thing and I'm just going to flat out say it. I got screwed and the book was published and out there, but then it wasn't, <laughs> but then it wasn't. <laughs> And people couldn't get it anymore. And I'm like, wait a minute, we have a contract. We have this, this, this. So I, I've waited numerous years and mm. I'm going to just tweak that book and I'm going to republish it my own self. Yeah. So that, yeah, word of warning out there, folks, some of the indie publishing houses, you really do have to do your research really and reach out to other authors and get their, get their feedback because everyone has, everyone has made those mistakes or, you know, inadvertently went a direction that you probably shouldn't just because it was so exciting. But I'm glad you brought that up. So thanks for bringing that up because a lot of folks, I don't think realize that everybody just because they call themselves a publishing house doesn't mean they're legitimate. So reach out to those, right. you know, reach out to other authors like yourself. Exactly. I mean, you started, you shared your story just now and you started your own publishing house which I think is awesome. And it's a brilliant idea because then you know exactly how things are getting done. And now you're bringing on authors into your publishing house. What kind of authors are you bringing on? Um, so like first thing that attracts me to an author is the voice, you know, of course um, it's got to, you know, when they hand me a, a manuscript uh, it's got to be something that catches me too. You know, I, I have selective taste, you know, I guess I, my tastes are based on what I enjoyed growing up, you know, um, flowing prose kind of, you know, rich narrative, uh, interesting characters, uh, a storyline that, that moves, you know, so the first author that I actually uh, connected with was a girl from Seattle, her name's Diana Olney, and she's very gothic very uses alliteration and she her prose is smooth and flowing um and i'm like wow she's damn it she's better than me <laughs> i must have you <laughs> so, <laughs> um so diana i signed diana and she uh she's fantastic she uh she and i did a a, a compilation uh together a book called drawn and quartered and everybody's like oh yeah that that story she devil in that book is my favorite and i'm like yeah it's mine too you know and <laughs> i didn't write it um but it's still my favorite yeah but she's great and and she's she's gonna be a star i i have jack wells who writes mystery noir um he's got a series called the monochrome noir which is about a detective trying to figure out a case in a world without color it's a grayscale world. Items of color are the rarest of all items and someone's killing to get them. And it's uh, it's a really interesting take. It, it Jack's brilliant, great, great writer. Uh, I have another author, Matt Scott, who writes horror. Uh, he's from Colorado. He's got kind of a, you know, a Midwestern uh, take on things. And it's, it's different than my own. And recently I picked up Heather Miller, who's a prolific reviewer um, and writer from Oklahoma. And she just is coming out with a book now 
called Tales My Grandmother Told Me, which are handed down from her grandmother ghost stories that her grandmother used to tell her. Uh, and they have been through her, been in her family for since she was a little girl. Um, and some of these she's expanded on, some of them she's made up, but you know, it, it's rich um, Southern uh, folklore and uh, history. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. That, that's coming out this, well, September's 27th. So, wow, really, that, so that sounds really interesting. It, and it's really good. You know, I, I edited this book along with Heather and she did a great job. And this is like her baby, you know, she's been working on it for a really long time. And that's going to be our next release with, with Last Waltz. That's awesome. And how awesome that you continue to, to bring new authors. Are they, are they new authors or are they already established authors? Relatively new. Um, Heather's had a novella um, out before. Diana had a short story out before. Jack had self-published a little bit. Matt has been around a little while and he actually comes from the original publishing company that I was signed with. Um, but I'm always keeping my eyes open. I mean, I would love to, you know, sign somebody who's been around a while with a, a, a huge following. Um, but we're, you know, I think we'll build our own following um, as the time progresses and uh, more material is released. And it's all it's all going to it's all going to roll out the way it's meant to. I'm confident of that. Yeah. yeah. I have an anthology that I put together for Halloween with some some fairly awesome authors that I found through the uh, community here and and knowing them on Facebook and uh, that that'll be coming out uh, just before Halloween. It's a gothic ghost story uh, collection. Oh, that sounds cool too. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I have a story in it myself, so. Uh, well, of course you have to have one in. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I do, but. Uh, well, when yeah, I co I coordinate anthologies now, it's so far on the opposite end of the spectrum from what you do. Mine are faith based. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, far. It's yeah, we're polar well, opposites on that, but um. Yeah, although I mean, I think you know to write horror you you've certainly got to believe in something too because you can't have evil without good no you can't no can't, yeah no dark without light no evil without good i i yeah. agree i completely yeah. agree and i'm just i i am fascinated by speaking with other authors you know especially folks such as yourself who write horror and the supernatural and paranormal and all of that stuff because I'm fascinated by it. I just know me personally, it's not something I would be good at writing. You know, I, I, it just doesn't come to me. Other stories, that everything I do isn't faith-based, but I've written tons and tons of short stories. I kind of like doing that, you know, three to 5,000 words. Mm -hmm. um, and my, my thing, and I, a lot of them I haven't published yet. They're, it's all kind of like, kind of fantasy kind of about wood sprites and fairies and how they speak nice. with the animals oh, and, wow. how, and how they interact with the human world excellent that so those are things i like to write about and they're more they're more flowery more kind of mellow flowing but and there's always a little moral in there for the humans because it's the animals and the wood sprites and the fairies that are much much smarter than humans and 
I firmly believe that. <laughs> yeah, no, they would. They're they're in tune with nature and the world yes. that's going on, which we have lost that. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. So, and I spend a tremendous amount of time outdoors. That's that's my happy space, my safe space, being out there with my dog. And the stories literally just come to me. You know, the characters, how they sound, what they look like, what they might smell like, what they wear. They just kind of come all of a sudden and I'll have to hurry up and get back in the house and get on my computer and start typing it out so I don't forget their dialogue or what was happening, you know, at the time to make them, to make this whole scene come into my head. So how do stories come to you? You know, a lot of times I'll just sit at um, sit at the laptop and write a first sentence and see where that goes, which oftentimes works out. So I don't know. There, there seems to be something that feeds information to me. You know, uh, it's kind of weird being a writer because I, I don't know that we're actually creating this thing that transpires onto this page or it's actually being fed to us from another source. I like that you mentioned that because I have said this several times. It's given to me. Yeah. And that's the only way I can explain it. And other writers get it. They understand that. And yeah, other folks don't. And I'm like, well, you know, writers and creatives, they're a little bit different. We live in different worlds. A lot of time we're really immersed in those other little worlds. And then we're quite annoyed. At least I am. I'm quite annoyed when the real world pops in. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I, I'm. It's for, forever intruding on my day. I, uh, <laughs> just, you know, silencing phones or just, uh, you know, I, I can't be bothered. Like somebody knocking at my door. How dare you? Exactly, showing yeah. up unannounced. And, oh come on, we we do, Who does that? Who stops over your right, house? Exactly. Right. <laughs> It's like I'm busy here. I'm in this world. Why are you calling me? I'm ignoring yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't even watch the news, or you know. Um, me either. I just, it's it's distractions, and and the less distractions I have from my my world. Um, well, and it's the, everything. The it seems like it to me anyway. And this is just my personal opinion, folks. To me, anything on the news and stuff like that on the television it's all negative and I literally don't have room in my life for that right now. Yeah. I, I certainly don't want to get caught up in it. No, no. So you yeah. mentioned, I want to jump back real quick. You mentioned that you might sit at your computer and write out a sentence because that's, that's what's given to you and it flows from there. I find that very interesting because that's not something I can do. I literally get like a download of a full conversation or a mental visual of what a scene looks like in my head and then the conversation comes and I was talking to an author the other day they said they write chapter by chapter they write one chapter and stop and tweak that and hone it mm. and then their story is able to move on so it's interesting how other authors how their stories come together. Some of the ones that you work with, do you know how their stories come together? Like what their mindset is or how it is that they do theirs? Their little quirks, I guess. Mm, you know, I I don't really get into their their um, story process. I, you know, there's a big conversation in the community. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Um, meaning, do you fly by the seat of your pants right. or do you sit out there and 
and plot everything out, I, I got to say, you know, everybody is probably a bit of a mixture of both. I mean, there's probably some who really have to know every scene that's going to happen. Um, and then there's others, you know, who mostly fly by the seat of their pants. Um, I, I'll have to ask the authors on the last waltz label, how they do that. But, uh, you know, I, if they are turning in great work, I don't, I don't really care how right. it came about. You know? <laughs> I'm just glad that they did. Yeah. I just find it interesting how different people, how their brains work, you know, and, and how they're able to build those worlds. Cause you know, for Len, like you said, that one sentence at a time, that's the first time I've heard that. So I find that very interesting. Yeah. You know, it's just interesting to learn how other authors do. Not that I want to do it like them. Cause I couldn't, I'm, I'm made the way I am. And it comes to me the way I think it's meant to come to me. Now I did something a little, I had, I had a, a hybrid experience for the last three years. I've been working on a bit of an epic. Um, it, the original manuscript was 510,000 words. Um, and I sat down with the intention of writing a short story. And the first sentence was like, there's something special about autumn. It can't be described in words. It's a sense. It's a mood that you feel uh, sent in the breeze. It's the, uh, you know, jack-o'-lanterns on the porch, you know. And that just started flowing. And in a six-month period, I had written this whole first um draft of a manuscript uh 510,000 words um but as it was going like I would write maybe a scene a full scene of about five or so pages and since it's a it's a very linear story it takes place in one week's time the week before Halloween and in a small mountain town where a creature has been released into the wild and you know i'd write the first scene and then i'd be like all right well what would be the logical thing that would happen next and i'd write like five possibilities pick out the right one and then write that scene or or i'd like set up the next five scenes in a row and then write them and then you know plan it out like okay this this town of people were living their lives with something horrific happening and what would be the logical progression? You know, what would the sheriff be doing? What would the priest at the church be doing? What would these kids be doing? And I, I plotted it all out. And uh, fortunately, the second draft has gotten down to about 375,000 words. Um, and I'm still working on it. I'm on the last, uh, the last section, uh, major rewrites. Um, but Hopefully by next Halloween, this thing will be ready to be released and it'll probably be a series of three or four books. Um, but yeah, so for me, you know, that happened organically. Like I started writing a short story, turned into this huge thing. But, you know, that was inspirational flying by the seat of my pants, but it needed to be also thought out and plotted too, because, you know, that big of a project was I would have got lost along the way. Not that I didn't, you know, that many words. I right. certainly, there's more backstory that you need, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it definitely, you know, and then you refine it. 
because that's you know like for me i think for me what works is to write that first draft and and as much as i want to stop and edit along the way don't don't do it i i hold myself from doing it and then i go back and i edit and i i cut the words out and i get rid of what's not needed and i try to get rid of all my adjectives <laughs> or a, a lot of them <laughs> right um, all of those know, ly words all those ly but they're so <laughs> nice you know I, but don't take my adjectives right. you know <laughs> but the editor's going to take them anyway but right you know i i'm i i don't know i like them when i'm writing but <laughs> you know i i try to take out as many as i can and and make it concise and yeah, I'm sure that's a tough. I think that's a tough thing. I know it is for me because I just let it. I just do like a dump, yeah. you know, when I'm going, and then I, then I walk away from it. I won't even look at it or read it again for maybe a day or two, because I always say I'm, I, I need to let that simmer. Because if I go back, I'm going to be nitpicking so much, and then I'm right. going to lose the whole story of why I was doing it to begin with. So I'll, I'll walk away and let it simmer. Come back a day or two later and look at it with fresh eyes. And I try to read it like I've not read it, you know, and that's when I'm able to find, and it's like almost the words jump out at me. I'm like, why did I use that so many times? Kim, you know better. But then when I'm dumping, I just let it go, you know, I and know. then I go back and pull But I, I have a tendency to say that. And I use a lot of the LY words, which, you know, if, if I, can... if I didn't let it sit for a day or two and simmer, I would miss it yeah so what's what's a tip that you have for you know and everybody has their own writing style and how their stories come to them but what's it maybe a general tip that you've got for anyone that's out there listening that that you know they're like you know i've got this story i'd love to get it down i just don't know what to do first thing you got to get out of your own way and just be unafraid to do it you know oh what if nobody likes it well well somebody's not gonna like it you know and you know that's unfortunately yeah thick skin i mean eh, i probably don't have that thick a skin but you know you'll build it up as you go along i i think is to just do it and it sounds so cliche but you know to just you know one word comes after the next and just start writing and do it because you want to do it and 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 because you love it try to step back and get out of your own way and let the words flow onto the page and leave that nitpicking editorial person at the side until you're done with that first uh, draft. Right. That negative voice. Let fear bounce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't let fear get, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't let it get in your way and don't let yourself get in your own way. That's yeah. That's, and, you know, that's just simple, but obvious but as a writer and i know when i the first time i was asked to participate in a book i was a co-author it was the first time i was ever going to be published and i'm like i really don't i don't think i should be doing this i i'm you know no one's i'm horrible it's all that negative that whisper that just tells you you know you're never going to be any good this is gonna suck no one's gonna want to read it you have to learn really early on, I think, in the writing journey. You've got to knock that little voice right off your shoulder and out the back door. Yeah, 
you know, because I, I think like, you know, we're definitely there's a duality, you know, because I think every writer has the potential to be really insecure and very cocky at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, no, <laughs> I, I mean, agree. honestly, you I know, agree. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you got it and you've got to have a little bit of both. You know, you've got to have that belief in yourself, you know, otherwise you're never going to do it. And you've got to have that a little bit of self-doubt because, you know, you got to take criticism and you've got to, you've got to strive to be a better writer. Uh, I've met writers who are like, oh yeah, uh, here's my story. And I'm like, all right, I'll send it back with the edits. They're like, oh, oh no, there's no edits. I'm like, oh yes, there's edits. They're <laughs> like, oh no, I, I like it the way it is. I'm like, all right, well, we're, we're going to pass on this one then, you know, but. You know, I found I have there's a couple different um, groups that I'm involved in writing groups and stuff. And one once a quarter opens it up for nonfiction stories. And if you want to have it professionally critiqued and edited, then you pay a small fee. I mean, it's literally small, like 25 bucks. So I'll do that regularly because I like seeing an edit come back. I like the comments that a professional editor that's been doing it for years and years comes back and gives me because I learn every single time I will learn something new and I'll be like, of course, I should have wrote it that way. But you don't think it when it's when you're getting when you got this whole dump happening. Um, but I do that regularly. I like having my stuff edited. And as you know, as long as the comments aren't mean. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they never are. They're always very, very constructive. And sometimes we even say, have, did you think of rearranging the sentence like this? And they'll give me, you know, or they'll say, love the story, but I need to know more of the backstory. I love how it's written. I love the story, but I need to know more about why you got to that point. You know, so it's, it pulls me out of my own head when I get, and I, I enjoy that. And I know a lot of people don't, a lot of writers I've spoken to are saying, oh, I couldn't do that for fun. Cause I, I literally do that for fun it's like I, please, um, please edit my stuff please rip it apart and tell me how to make it better <laughs> I, I start to take what editors say very much to heart too and then you know I, i've had one editor who would remove every time i use the word that in a story also as yeah. you know that and as so now i'm like you know that gets in my head and i'm like trying to write a story without using that or as and i'm like these sentences aren't even making sense anymore. And, and it's it sometimes, you know, it'll impede it, you know, and, and I understand, yeah, that that is an overused word and as is looked down upon quite frequently, they're still needed from time to time. Yes, and they if, are. If I you agree. try to get rid of every time, if you can't, if you have a story without the word that, ever in it it's it's gonna seem it's gonna be a very awkward story to yeah. read <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah very awkward yeah yeah, yeah. so, so like, where where can folks find do you have a website where can folks find your books find out more about you yeah uh my own personal website is www.damonmanx.com Damon spelled D-A-E-M-O-N-M-A-N-X.com. Also, you could check out 
all our work and mine and every author on my label at www.lastwaltzpublishing.com. That's Last Waltz as in the dance waltz? Yes, as in the final dance. Last Waltz Publishing. Save the last dance for us. I, I like that. I like that name. How did you come up with that? I actually have a short story that I wrote. Well, you know what? Originally, there's a band called The Band that came out with a movie called The Last Waltz in the 70s, which was supposed to be like their final tour. Great live performance. Linda Ronstadt's in it. Um, bunch of bunch of famous. I think Mick Jagger is is in it. Um, Robbie Robertson. Everybody from the band is playing. And uh, I love that. And I wrote a story, a short story called The Last Waltz, which is about a. Uh, it, it, it's a story that starts at the end and goes backwards. So it shows a woman on the beach. And she takes off her wedding ring and throws it in the ocean and then washes the blood off her hands. And it goes back in time to uh, her in her kitchen standing over the body of her husband. And then it goes back to the first time he hit her. And then it goes back to them where they met in high school. And then, uh, you know, there's a scene where it's their dance at their wedding and it's actually a waltz. And you know, in her mind, she's trying to keep the steps one, two, three, one, two, three, as she's dancing to supposedly the happiest moment in her life. And, uh, you know, at the very end, she's she's fled and she's watching these birds over the uh, seagulls over the Gulf of Mexico. And they appear to be caught in a dance of their own. And she watches them fly in a symbiotic love affair and you know in her head she's one two three one two three and i said uh, the last waltz and it inspired me to name the publishing company after that wow i just got all kinds of like mental visuals of how you were how you were sharing how that story went <laughs> i was like wow i was falling into that one you're good. oh good you're oh, good thank you <laughs> Well, thank Damon. Thank you so much for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. This has been a true pleasure uh, learning about your journey and the, what you write and your publishing house. You've got a lot going on and I wish you the best of luck with all of it. Thank you so much. It was so great being here and uh, I hope to do this again sometime. I would love to have you back again sometime. So we will have to make a point and get that set up. Absolutely. All Thank right. You. Thanks again. And everybody out there listening, make sure you tune in on each Wednesday where new episodes are uploaded for Let Fear Bounce. I am your host, Kim Langling. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed. <laughs>